So, today widgets. Oh. Uh. From Relay FM, this is Connected. Episode number 16. Today's episode of Connected is brought to you by our friends at lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. For a 10-day free trial, visit lynda.com slash connected. Iconic, a fantastic book about Apple history and design and all of their fantastic products, and also by Hover, Simplified Domain Management. My name is Mike Hurley. And as always, I am joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Oh, hey, Mike. How are you doing? I am very well. How are you? I'm doing good, sir. Did you hear the Italian flair that I put on your name today? Yeah, I know you've been exercising. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're taking secret Italian classes I have in your spare a- time. I, I don't know why, honestly. It's well, kind of creepy, but, you know, it's okay. I have an Italian vitamin supplement that I take every day. Mm-hmm. It's full of olive oil. <laughs> I'm also joined by Stephen Haggett. Hi, Stephen. No accent for me? Uh, no. That's, Can you do uh, a southern accent, Mike? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird because you sound. How, how it is, Stephen? Oh, God. So, How's that? How's that? There's Second. been a lot of conversation that you sound more American than you, you used to. Mm hmm. Which is definitely true. 100% I true. I don't know how... How do you feel about that? Is that weird? Like, are you saddened? No, I'm fine with it. Um, but there there are some things you say that are the way I say them. Like, I can't... I, you said something the other day on another show, and it was the exact same, like, inflection that I do, which is a little Southern. I'm like, oh, I've ruined... Like, I feel guilty. <laughs> I feel you guilty should. for Americanizing you. And then you had Thanksgiving dinner, at which... It's crazy. Like I don't. So, um, Mike, Mike, this new accent of yours. Do you only use it uh, on the shows, uh, or no. is it like a real life new accent that you have, and you like uh, people are surprised? No, this uh, is how my, does it work? This is my real voice now. This is this uh-huh. is the voice that I have. I I talk this way. I I, I only try and enunciate a little clearer on the shows, but I do have a mm-hmm. new a new voice. So, mm-hmm. like I was I was um I was going through some old files the other day mm-hmm. of shows. Mm-hmm. And it's like just this weird. Do you do you announce yourself to people in conversations like you do for for each show? Well, yeah. And my name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined today by my friends. <laughs> That's how I enter rooms. <laughs> yeah. Hello, my Someone, name, my name yes. is Mike Hurley, and I'm at the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> this dinner is brought to you by Heinz Tomato Ketchup. Wow, you know, that's, new, that's new how sponsor. I live my life. That's how I live my life now. I think cool. your voice is also yeah. a little deeper, like a little. A little more gravelly. A little more gravelly. I think that just comes from talking so much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You don't smoke. So, yeah, I guess it's just the podcasting. Yeah. Don't do podcasts, kids. It'll ruin your voice. (laughs) It's true. You need, like, a patch when you're not podcasting to get the fix. Yeah. Well... That's when like I a, listen to podcasts. Make sure oh, it's a need, dynamic patch, though. Not you you a need a Skype patch. Get it? <laughs> they oh, were both excellent jokes, and it's, it's just a shame that neither of you allowed each other to, to fully express them. So that's okay. just how it is. Thanks for the clarification, Mike. No I worries. Appreciate it. <laughs> no worries. Appreciate it. I just want you to both know that I appreciate your comedy. You do? Hmm. Yeah. That's, um, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear that. You know, because I mean, last week <laughs> we we didn't do comedy. 
We did no. Like, <laughs> no, we didn't, did we? We didn't do any of that. What are we are we migrating into into a segment right now? I no. think we're moving um towards a follow-up. Follow-up. <laughs> oh wow, it's like <laughs> that was amazing. Anytime. It's like it came from space. <laughs> <laughs> came from Mars, baby. Yeah. Nice. We're going nice. to Mars. Humanity's going to Mars, guys. Apparently so. Apparently so. That Which was a is, surprise, right? I mean, not if you follow all the NASA blogs. <sighs> like some people might. Like do. space nerds, like like you. Well. Is Steven a space nerd? Be- beside the you know, OS ten nerd? Yeah. What's he likes space? old space like he likes old Max. It's true. Yeah, the Apollo was awesome. <laughs> space shuttle was yeah. dumb. Can yeah. I have a space podcast on the network? Oh, I don't need yeah. permission. I'm going to do a space podcast. <laughs> Let's do follow-up. So apparently there are apps that can make GIFs with burst photos. No. Which is something that we said <laughs> well, was okay, not Mike. true. <laughs> no, basically. So I, <laughs> I wrote this, these notes for myself. Uh, I didn't mean to write them for you. I apologize. I shouldn't have let you start this. Basically, this is on the subject of apps that can make GIFs with burst photos, which is something I was talking about last week. But can't take existing burst and create GIFs. This is the most confusing outline I've ever seen. <laughs> it's not written for you. It's written for me. So... I was talking about that last week about there isn't there because there is an API that can do it. I have had this verified by smart people. They I've spoken to smart people this week and they have told me that this is definitely true. <laughs> so people have been sending me in this week uh, apps that they believe solve the problem that I am trying to that I that I would like to be solved, but they don't. So there's two apps that have been sent in to me. Uh, one by Patrick Welker, Welker, sorry, called Giffa Pro, which is one of the worst looking applications I've ever seen. Uh, and wow, uh, it's horrible. Just look at the link and Kamoji, yeah. which was sent into us by designer of everything Relay FM, Frank Towers. Um, basically, what these apps both do is they allow you to take either uh, burst photos in the app and turn them into gifs, or video and turn them into gifs. None of these apps allow you to take existing burst photos and take put, turn those into gifs. That's what I'm. So the problem for. is that you you have many existing burst photos. No, it's just if I take a burst photo, I'm very rarely taking it with the purpose to make a GIF out of it. I'm taking it for a reason and then later mm-hmm. then want to turn make it into a GIF. I, d- mm-hmm. I don't really like apps like um, <laughs> oh, yeah? just in general. I don't <laughs> like apps. Uh, I preferred them when they were programs and... <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, buddy! Mo- I see what you did. No worries. Uh, I, I, I don't like apps that work. As <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> oh. Mike, what is it that you don't like exactly? Okay. So let's say it's something to do with a photo. Uh, I don't like it when you have to do everything <laughs> in that one app. Like I like to be able to take the output of the camera app and turn that into the thing so it's not like oh i want to take this photo and make it a gif let me go and find that app and open that app i just want to take what the camera app gives me and turn that into a thing am i making any sense it, no. it kind of makes sense yeah it's like it be, I, I i prefer to not be constrained just by mm-hmm. the that one app and what that can yeah, do. Yeah, because it means you can just use the, the Apple camera app and uh, and then, you know, just send all these photos to different uh, utilities depending on kind of w- what you want to make. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, I, I, it's I not too, reliant on me yeah. like sandboxing it into that one yeah. application. Yeah, I, I also have a problem with all these um, 
like specialized camera apps because I, I I know that I'm going to use the Apple camera app anyway, you know, yeah. because of especially because of the control center uh, shortcut. I I don't yep. keep the the camera icon on my home screen uh, because I have the control center. Um, also to uh, to you know uh, kind of related to to burst photos. Um, I think I mentioned this before. I would love to have um, a burst mode for screenshots on iOS just to make uh, there is yes. screenshots. Okay. Yeah, you have to use Google Plus, which uh, <laughs> your, your response to that tweet was really funny. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Google <laughs> Plus has some sort of app it's or called, feature. Uh, you can you can when you put photos into Google Plus, you can select a bunch of them and and. Oh yeah, but you, my problem is that. My problem is that I cannot take uh, burst screenshots to begin with. Like, I, like imagine if if you could. It's got to be fast. Just. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah. You, gotta, you, you, need a, you need a friend to come help you because your phone is too friend, big. Yeah. The screenshot friend. Yeah. Um, also, uh, the ability to record screencasts on iOS, like you can with QuickTime on, on the Mac. And now people will say, "Why don't you just use the Mac to to take screencasts?" Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Do you, I, I'm gonna get, do you want to know I'm something gonna get weird about anyway. that? You know that the, the video thing. I don't know if you if you knew this, Federico, and and mm-hmm. I hope that you don't know it, so I can I can give you a piece of information. So you know that when you when you're using QuickTime, yes, to record uh, the screencast, and it does the thing where it cleans up the status bar for you. Yes. Did you know it actually does it on the device, not just yes? In the it's video? done in, in real time. It's rendered on iOS. Yeah. Which is so weird, isn't it? It's awesome. Oh no, it's great that it does it. Yeah. But I plugged it. And I was like, oh, it does it on my device. Yeah, it's too. a it's a private API that I know a, um, a few developers have tried to um, like to make apps with that. And of course, you know how that ends <laughs> when you try uh, to do private Apple there's stuff. There's a button in your app. Remove it. Okay, we'll get to that later. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I would love to have QuickTime on 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 iOS. Please don't go. Please don't be upset, Mike. Don't be upset. I won't okay. use it for podcasts. You can have all of your no. apps on iOS. You just can't plug your devices in. So it's yeah, but you don't like apps, right? What you really yeah. need, what you need, you need a USB port on your uh, Not again. Your okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Or an SD card slot. Yeah. Or a serial port. Oh, they should just have four home buttons, like one on every. Do you remember that when that was a thing? Yeah, that the was iPad's an iPad's going to get right. two home buttons. No, it's not. Yeah. No, it's really, <laughs> it's really not. I do, I don't know if you guys do this, but. I have lots of problems when I use my iPad mini now because the power button is not where it is on my phone and I use my phone a lot more. Like I've already so quickly adjusted to the button layout on the phone that the iPad is just broken. I'm like, where's the button? I can't find the button. Like it's very confusing. I struggle to either adjust the volume or lock my phone with one hand still though. Like I press. You you bought the wrong phone. Nope. Nope. The okay, so you same. guys wanna you guys wanna quick teach you tip about um, adjusting to different devices? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay so I don't know why I'm nervous. Um, I am okay. Too, <laughs> okay. So here's my my tip this week. Okay. Um, okay. Because I'm using the iPad in landscape mode when I'm at my desk and I use a Bluetooth keyboard keyboard to type. Um, what I did is I set up my uh, in the in the Touch ID settings. I set up my fingerprint in the uh, like in a different orientation, so that when I'm at my desk, I can just hold my finger and I don't have to rotate it to unlock with Touch ID. So it kind of works even if you don't set up a different um, fingerprint in the settings. But if you do, it's faster 
because it doesn't uh, doesn't have yeah. to like think about it. So yeah. So can I tell you that your tip is dumb? Like why? Because is it dumb? on the Touch ID page, Apple says I'm going to mm-hmm. quote them. Mm-hmm. Place your finger on the home button, and just and just like that, your iPhone unlocks. Touch ID is capable of 360 degree readability, which means that, no matter what orientation. True. Your iPhone reads your fingerprint and knows who you are. Okay, I'm going to test this live practice. on the show. That's yeah, so try your thumb upside down. Yeah, it works. Yeah, totally works. For me, after a while, it becomes like slow. It's I, you I have can, pasta I can tell that it's, your hands. Yeah, you sweat too have much. Pasta. Yeah, I'm not sweating. I I have perfectly. Uh, I know why it is. Stable. I know why it is, Federico. Normal hands. It's because you're working from the hot tub. No, so oh, yeah. not really. No, have you ever tried you to unlock your phone after taking a shower? It doesn't work. I, I don't care what the Apple documentation says. <laughs> you set up, you set up a second fingerprint. How dare for, you, sir? For <laughs> iPad landscape usage, you're go- you're gonna thank me. This is like when people told me you don't have to set manual brightness, and then uh, you know, battery life was better for many people. So my iPad doesn't have Touch ID because Mike talked me out of it. I don't have manual brightness because I just don't have. So, so I, we gonna I do have, this other thing. I notes? have um, a serious piece of follow up, mm-hmm. uh, real quickly. So, um, of all the feedback that I got for um, the Twitter um, monitoring installed apps thing, uh, that I said it wasn't a big deal, and uh, you know, I still think that of all the the stuff that companies can can, uh, can monitor, this is not a big deal in my opinion. Still, I got a lot of feedback. And of all the feedback that I got, the, the best uh, counter-argument to my, to my point um, from a listener whose name I cannot remember, basically, uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember your name, uh, it's, it's not personal, um, basically said, what if I keep on my device uh, apps that are related to my sexual orientation and I don't want, you know, I don't want to tell anyone else yet? That's that's a that's a great point. And I should have thought of that. And uh, of all the feedback, you know, that I got like, uh, yeah, I think it's a big deal. Yeah, I don't think it's a big deal because such and such. uh, This is the best practical and I guess fair point. So Mm -hmm. thanks for for sending it over Twitter. Yeah, that was that is a very good point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, It's like it's like the target thing right yeah. where target sent what they call or sent an advertisement or something about diapers and like they didn't know or like their parents didn't know they were pregnant or something like that thing where a company could know more than people is is well it's probably already true with a bunch of companies but it's sort of a strange situation to think about and it's a really good point and it's not that twitter is like publishing this but it's the fact that they know and that you know you might see ads based on that information or it, it it's uh you know it's like I think Mike I think you said it last week the idea that this is not information I'm putting into the system this is information the app is getting on its own like a lot of ramifications and I'm sure there are even more that we haven't thought about but um it's good good feedback we ba- we've basically called called an amnesty on this topic um <laughs> <laughs> because it's been pretty it's been a lot of uh discussion uh aimed at us this week about it a lot of people agree with me. A lot of people agree with Federico. Uh, and me and Federico don't talk anymore because of it. So, <laughs> uh, we're, no, I'm kidding. Uh, so we're just, you know, it, it is what it is. We This is just yeah. one of those things that we differ in opinion on. And I think that there are valid arguments on both sides. And 
I told Federico privately, and I and I'm going to say it on the show. When he posts his uh, Twitter article, I am going to try and just use the Twitter app for as long as I possibly can and see how far I go. So can I fa- can I say something about the Twitter app itself and not mm-hmm. the politics? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel the same way that I wanted to understand the app itself. So I, I have been using it uh, a good bit the last couple of days. And my fundamental problem with it is is that I just find it confusing coming from Tweetbot where a tweet can be in several locations and like the replies oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and that sort of stuff I think is it's not so much about the like the UI itself but that it's just there's a lot going on and it can be disorienting at times of where I am in the timeline and what's going on I have no idea what earns like the gray line and what doesn't earn the gray line it's just a lot of elements going on that I think they need to simplify but if you like your tweets so much why don't you want to see them more like you know, that's the thinking, right? I guess. And and they, <laughs> it's like Facebook, right? Like you, no one actually sees the real Facebook timeline. It's about, you know, how they portray it. And mm-hmm. I understand they're trying to make the content more interesting. And there's a lot of good stuff in the Twitter app. Like I really like the, uh, what is it? The, um, what's no. the screen name where you can see like what other people favorite and activity. Like, people fit. Activity. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like that's really pretty neat. And it's a good way to like, it, like I don't have notifications on for favorites or anything, but it's nice to know like what's good, like how a tweet performs. Oh God, I hate myself. But um, it's there's good stuff in there. I just find it like sort of overwhelming. I don't even know what's happening. Maybe I'm just old. Well, I'm uh, if uh, if it matters, I'm already at uh, ten thousand words, and I don't think I'm halfway through Mike the article. Can't read that. Mike can't read that. Yeah, I know. Mike, you can you can uh, skip the sections you That's don't longer care than about. my review of Yosemite. <laughs> Teach, can you well, just this is... call me on that day and just read it to me? With my voice? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll be we'll be uh, like an hour on Skype. That's fine. And I will read you my my, my article about Twitter. We can make uh, it a B side. It, it's not only about uh, the Twitter app. So this uh, will be interesting. This is new for me. Um I'm I'm pretty excited. Uh, Thought so I will likely spend the weekend taking screenshots, um, which is going to be fun. Um, I'm really excited. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be one of those weekends where you send us text messages asking you to do asking us to do things for you, isn't it? Yeah, like send me send me fake messages yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy those though. I do enjoy I enjoy what, trying to think of new things to send you to to entertain the Mac Stories audience because that's what I'm about. I'm, a, I'm an entertainer. Oh yeah, you're not a professional podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> I was writing something the other day. I can't remember what it was, and I wanted to to write that instead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it should be should be on your business card. Uh, yeah, I think it, I can't remember what it was, but it was something like that. And I was like, no, I want to say podcasters. <laughs> oh, that was it. I was I had an idea for for a, for a blog post about about being a professional podcaster. And I wanted Wait, to call it professional. You wanted podcasters. to. You wanted to publish a blog post. <laughs> I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. But, but what uh, happened? What happened? I calmed down. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, you should have. You should have issued a bunch of uh, posit tweets. I should have done actually. <laughs> they. I had lots of posits that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. Nice. 
One of them was about Lynda.com, who are an easy and affordable <laughs> way to help individuals and organizations learn. With Lynda.com, you get access to a growing library of hundreds of thousands of high-quality, well-produced video tutorials that can help you learn something new. Lynda.com can help you turn your ideas into hobbies, your hobbies into businesses. They can help you perfect something you've always wanted to know or help you learn something totally new. Linda works directly with experts in the fields that the videos and the subjects are about. They work with people that create hardware and software so they can give you the best training possible. And they work with people that create things, like they work with David Allen on a GTD course. I just think that one's so awesome, like it's like the perfect person. Their courses are broken down into bite-sized chunks. This allows you to jump in and out at your own pace. And Linda allow you to create your own playlists so you can build a course schedule that meets your own personal needs. They have great iPhone, iPad, and Android apps. So you can watch videos when you're on the go. If you get a premium plan, you can download videos to your devices too. So you can like watch them on the plane or something. But if you have an internet connection on the standard plan, which is $25 a month for unlimited or you can eat access to Linda's courses, with those apps, you'll be able to just, just stream the stuff. You can watch them on the bus. You can watch them when you're at home, wherever you're on Wi-Fi or, or on LTE or something like that. Linda's courses are extremely varied. And they cover so many different types of hardware, software, computer stuff. It's not all computer stuff, too. They have, like, if maybe you want to learn how to take better photography. Maybe you want to learn how to give better presentations. This isn't just in the software. They also can teach you practical skills. And they can also teach you, like, different ways to think, like time management and stuff like that as well. They have absolutely everything. If for some reason you've yet to try lynda.com or even go and look at their library, go right now to lynda.com slash connected. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash connected. You'll see some, just a selection of the hundreds of thousands of videos they have, and you'll also get yourself a special extended 10-day free trial just for listeners of this show. Thank you so much to Linda for the continued support of Connected and helping us out at Relay FM. Michael, mm -hmm. you spent Monday, was it Monday? It was Monday, yeah. Do doing a thing. Uh huh. What did you do on Monday? Um, on Monday, I was at the Apple Store Regent Street um, moderating. Well, I, I don't know why they call it moderating because it was just one person. I was interviewing. Um, Neil McFarland, who is the director of games for Us Two Games, who you may know as the developers of Monument Valley. So um, I sat down with Neil and uh, we spoke for about 40 minutes uh, on video in the Apple Store Regent Street. Uh, we were wait, talking wait, about... wait, there's a video? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, full, it's in full man. HD, baby. I've had some very um, concerned people tweeting me today. Uh, it's not normal for them to see me in video, but now you can see me on video if that's let what you me, really wanted to do. Let me take a look. I got all You're spruced up. I, I had. Uh, I was all spruced up. Um, thank you, Stephen, for calling me handsome. I appreciate that. Uh, it was a, a really interesting um, interview. It was a very different event. It was a great day because we were talking about like the red stuff you know and it was mm -hmm. actually world aids day uh when on monday so when i was there um and it was a very very enjoyable experience it was very different there was a small audience uh i had to do the standard interview it was a q a part there was only one question in the q a so i had to come up with new questions just off the top of my head uh, nice. to ask which was great um and it was a, it was a great honor i i met some great people that night and i was very uh it felt fantastic to be in that environment and do something like that. And now it's available on the iTunes store. 
Nice. Um, and I got a little plug for Real FM in at the start as well. So I'm first, trying uh, to find your. I'm trying to find your face in the video, uh, but um, it's in. It's after like you. thirty or forty seconds. They throw to me it right at the start. Oh, I'm looking at your face here now. There you go. <laughs> your face is moving. You're talking. Uh, You're very handsome, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Nice, very much. nice shirt, man. Nice. I I dressed up. I got my hair did. I got my beard did. So strange to see your face, like. <laughs> With your lips moving. Oh yeah, because I guess like because me and you have never because met for me like like for me your your you are your uh, your profile picture and your voice. Yeah, and the picture moving is kind of weird. You know, <laughs> so this is how people felt when they saw TV for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mike, as much as you can say, how did this? Is that, is that a pebble, Mike? Sorry, Steven. Yeah, is yeah. that a pebble? Yeah, pebble steel. Okay. You know, I'm a pebble user. That's not a secret. <laughs> okay. I'm going to. Okay. Mine is charging right now because it's dead. Anyways, Mike, how did this? How did this come about? Um. Well originally it was meant to be uh dan gray who's the executive producer um but unfortunately he had to pull out at the last minute so his boss uh, neil stepped in um dan just that uh, basically apple had asked us to uh if they would do this uh they said yes um and usually there are guest moderators i don't know what the standard protocol is for having a moderator um but because some videos in from the Reed street store have like celebrities interviewing App developers, right? So there's one of Stephen Fry. Well, I guess so. Um, and then they, other than that, they have a guy from The Guardian who seems to do most of them. Um, so maybe they give the offer, like, would you like to have someone? And, and Dan asked me if I would do it. And of course I said yes. Um, so yeah, and then I, I kind of corresponded with him and, and, and the people. There are actually people that, that work for Apple that are like, this is their job. They are the theater managers and the theater team of these events. Because... Mm-hmm. Like these events, they have huge celebrities. Like there, there are videos from the Regent Street store of like Stephen Fry, Cameron Diaz. They have movie stars there. Like they had uh, John Hamm there a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so, yeah, then they basically said to me, "Prepare your questions." So I did that, uh, and kind of yeah, and got there on the day, and we sat in the not fancy green room and mm-hmm. went talked through some things with Neil, and then we got up on stage and, mm-hmm. and I did my thing. You, you should have you should have talked about photo management. I tried <laughs> to, I tried to, uh, but they kept like they kept threatening me from the side of the stage, so I had to stop. You should have you yeah. should have pushed the relay agenda on stage. <laughs> I kind of did right at the start. I said I was from Relay FM, so and uh, and then a poison dart came out of the back and hit Mike in the <laughs> in the neck. <laughs> um, so and Daniel was on episode fourteen of Inquisitive, which if you haven't listened to, is really good. Yeah. Um, I was really, I mean, I love Monument Valley, although I'm currently angry with the red level because I'm stuck, but, um, it's, it's a great game and like listening to the interview and then I haven't watched your video yet. It just came out today, but like they really care about it in, in a very deep way. And it really shows in the game, right? That, that they sweat every single little detail and, um, it's cool. It's cool that you got an interview. Congratulations on thanks. On doing Congrats, that. Mike. Thank you. Yeah, Neil has some really cool stuff to say. So um, yeah. it's, it's, it's are, really interesting uh, to watch. Even if you've listened to the video I did with Dan, like Neil has some other stuff to say. And they also um, they talk through a couple of levels, like they demo them, and um, me and Neil are talking about what's happening in the levels um, as they're happening. So it's pretty cool. There's a lot. Mm, of, there's cool. a lot of good stuff in there actually. 
Is it weird to interview somebody when you could see them? I thought it would be, but it it I it wasn't. I, it was very easy. Wait, um, does that mean you can see me now? Are, are are all the podcasts secretly video podcasts? Well, I I have like little dolls made of you all, and I just sit oh, them in God. front of me when I'm talking. So usually it's fine. <laughs> Mike, is it is it uh, is it fair to say that you are now um, a professional video casters? It is fair, actually. I'm going to take that. I'm I'm now a, a professional vlogger as well as a podcaster. <laughs> I mean, it's a heck of a way to start. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. A pretty big bang initially. Uh, I don't really know how what how I'm going to follow that up, but uh, I'll, yeah, I'll well, find I mean, a way. some people are creationist. Anyways, topic. Are we ready for topic zero point five? I don't. What has happened to our topic numbers, by the way? So that uh, was topic zero point three. Uh-huh. The next is zero point five. The next after the next ad read is zero point six. We don't have it. Well, we have mm-hmm. one topic one. Yeah, well, we have taken the Google Chrome uh, versioning number. Yeah, yeah we should go scheme. back to the Facebook where everyone just has a normal number. <laughs> topic are they? They're version like nineteen now, I think. Um, yeah. This is probably technically like topic four hundred and sixteen or something like that. But oh yeah, we should have counted from the beginning. Uh huh. That would have been great. But... We should have somebody download all the prompt episodes and do that. We yep. could just have a running tally. Count all the topics. You know that's gonna happen, right? Eventually. Maybe. Like well, people like like our dear listeners uh, will 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 do some sort of workflow to count the episodes. Can't you do something like this in editorial? Mm. No. It's no, a, because you because you don't support um chapters in, in the in the files. Please don't, please Stop. don't. Stop. Don't, <laughs> don't you dare. Don't do this to me, man. <laughs> okay. I had like basically everybody in Germany tweet me like a week ago telling me to do it. In Germany? What? German- Germany is so, very much about order. They want a, sanctioned a, files. A listener from Germany uh, tweeted me and said that he wanted me to add chapters. And I said that not enough people want it. It's not something that I'm interested in doing. And he was like, <laughs> loads of people want it. And I said to him, if you get me, if you get a thousand people to tell no, me no way. that you Why want... Why did you do that? Because I thought it wouldn't happen. And he said, I said to him, you get a thousand people to tell me uh, that you want chapters, that they want chapters, I'll do it. Did he start a petition? He basically <laughs> tweeted a few times and got other people to tweet. And it was just effectively, it was just a bunch of people from Germany and, and other places and in you Europe. were just watching just all, all night it's like for like for two days like they didn't get to a thousand it, it was maybe no more than a hundred but they just kept coming in and they were like wow. yeah and there was like people were like issuing tweets that were like if you want chapters in real fm shows you gotta tweet at mike and tell him this and i'm like oh what oh. have i done it was I it, it felt like so not, much fun to me at the time I appreciate you not dragging me into that yeah i know that i that was solely my thing to deal with <laughs> perfectly yeah. fine i made still guys we have a topic. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a lot about Twitter last week. Mm-hmm. And we did. Federico has put a question. I assume this was Federico. No, I, I did know. it. I did it. I was not I apologize. I was not on top of the notes this week. Nope. What would we want from a, a new social network now to replace Twitter? Let me set this up then for while I was thinking this. So okay. I, I actually was also talking to this today with Gina Trapani on Inquisitive. It's not posted yet, but it will be all the time this is out. Anyway. Um, I was thinking, like, what the problem that we have is, you know, and we spoke about this, we're like stuck in Twitter, right? No matter whether we love it or hate it, there's kind of nothing we can do because this is where we are. We're kind of stuck in this now. This is our thing. You know, app.net died because nobody, we wouldn't all move over there. Like, we went there, but we didn't move. So we're kind of like in this scenario where this is where we are. So 
you know, my thinking be the only way that we can break away from Twitter is that something has to replace it, right? Because we all kind of love this community that we have and we want to go there. So what do we want? What does a social network need to do and what do we want from one that would make it like the perfect social network? That we wouldn't have any problems with it and it would be awesome and we would be happy to be there. Mm. So I broke this down to a few things. So like what features do we want? Like who needs to be there? Like how many of our friends or like what types of friends do we just want our nerds? Do we want celebrities? Do we want real friends? Do we need them all? Um, What do we want the company's values to be? Do we want there to be apps like that are made first party or third party? And what does the API need to look like? They're kind of like the the basic sort of areas that I wanted to explore. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for me, I'll I'll start it off. Okay. I would quite like something which is more of a combination between Twitter and Instagram. So I don't want like a Facebook, but I want, in essence, text to be... um, it to be like mainly text. I don't want to go all the way up to 256 characters because it's too much, but maybe a little bit more than 140. Um, uh, I love all of the the mechanics of Twitter, so at replies, hashtags, all of that sort of stuff. But I would like images to be supported greater. Um, so maybe to look a little bit more like the Twitter app with cards, for example, you know, but like in to, to, for there to be more photo features built right in because it's like a big thing that you share. Um, and I think for me, that's like kind of the perfect type, like feature set. Uh, and I would, for me to be there, I would just need my nerdy friends. I'm totally cool with celebrities not being there. I'm totally cool with like my real life friends being there. Like there are other social networks where that can occur, but I want like, you know, (laughs) the, the bloggers that I enjoy and the podcasters that I enjoy and like my friends that I have because of this stuff, you know, like the people that, that have, uh, I've, I've met and, and become acquainted with because of this type of stuff. I, w- I would like all of those people to be there so I can basically replicate the type of discussion that I see every day for the company itself. Like a lot of things don't really bother me. Uh, I would like the company's business model to just let me pay ideally that's what i would like to do and i would pay a relatively large sum of money you know i'd probably pay like 25 to 30 dollars a month i would pay for a service like that if it meant that it would stay around forever and wouldn't be like changed in ways that we don't want i don't care if they have advertising as long as they're very clear about the way that they do the advertising um and they don't like take any data that i'm unhappy that i wouldn't want to give them um and that sort of stuff like you know paying and getting advertising is not necessarily that much of an issue for me as long as it kind of fits um with apps uh there should be a first party application in my opinion for us for a network like this so it can show people what they think should be done in the same way that like apple's apps exist right they're like this is how we think it should be done you can choose whether you want to do it like this, but we are setting the standard of this is how minimum how good our apps need to be. Um, and I would want there to be an API that was very much like the Twitter of old, which basically allowed people to have access to everything. They could, they could get into everything. Nothing is closed off. Like there's no features that the official app that has that the API couldn't have um, and that kind of thing. So it's, it's for me, it's like a mix between like the third party world and Twitter of old, like, and maybe a little bit of app.net sprinkled in here and there. Sounds like you described app.net. Actually, yeah, well, I did, yeah, because that's kind of what they were doing, right? Like, yeah. because in theory, like, this is the whole thing, like, in theory, app.net was 
perfect. It was perfect. But they they no, came at the no, 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 in, in theory. No, in, that's what I'm saying. In theory, like it was everything in theory that we would have wanted a service to replace Twitter to be right because it kind of had all of the things that we wanted and it combated things we weren't un- that we were unhappy about. The problem was we didn't move. It was just full of geeks. That's what I mean. Was- like if, if everybody moved, like that's what I mean. Like in in a, in a perfect world, app.net was perfect because it gave everything that we wanted, didn't give us the stuff we didn't want, and allowed us to pay for it and had a great API and like there was a great app ecosystem. Right? In theory, that was what people had said that they'd wanted from Twitter for years. And I think that yeah, was but pro- it, it lacked the the diversity of Twitter, like. But that's what I'm saying. Only people talking about tech. Yeah, no, but but that's what I'm saying. It's like in a perfect world, so everyone moving, if if basically you took Twitter's entire user base, lifted them up, and put app.net below them and lowered them back down again, it's perfect. That's what I'm saying. Like you you, needed to have done that. You won't get people to pay for uh, these kind of services. I know, I know, I know. I I understand that, but but like I'm just saying, like in a perfect world, that's what I'm saying. So. I think there's a lot of interesting things in there. Um, one, and, and as you were talking about it, I was reminded of a tweet that we got yesterday about basically the tweet was like, "Why did Twitter make the API in the fir- API in the first place? It just set the stage for the showdown." And it's like that's a really interesting idea. And Twitter was an API first because that's what internet companies do like Twitter is would not be would not have enjoyed the the quick rate of success that it had if it weren't for third party apps because we don't even Twitter didn't even have a first party app until much much later till they bought Tweety and, and rebranded it and you know app.net followed the same course they they had an API and a website and they let people build apps on top of it and some great apps came out of that that space where Twitter is now is they're trying to, to, to reel that back in and say, you know, no, like the API is sort of not what we want to do. Everybody wants to be the, be in the first party app. And that's where that, that's the whole explosion that happened on this show last week stems from that transition. And I think that transition is inevitable on social networks. I think Facebook is the notable exception that Facebook was a website and then they eventually had mobile apps, but Facebook really never had a full feed. Like you couldn't like write a Facebook client. You could interact with Facebook in certain ways, but you couldn't build a full fledged client because their product was not the API. Their product was the website first. And I think, and I think, so I think Mike.net or whatever this, this fanciful social network. Yeah. Mike.net. Like that's that, friction point like that friction point always has to be answered with web services do you do an api or do you do a product because because an, an api ultimately is not a product it it can it can serve as a product for a little while but what it's going to become is a gateway for people to take control of what you think your product should be that's exactly what happened with, with twitter it's why people are freaking out about it now and so like in this i this idea of like what does a future um social network what does that look like? Anything where a single company controls the API has the potential to fall into the quagmire that is Twitter today. You know, you look at things like um, uh, Tent.is, you know, these decentralized social networks. 
uh, or even email, which is maybe perhaps the first decentralized, um, well, definitely not the first, but a decentralized social network, you know, um, bulletin boards back in the day. Anyone could sign up for any bulletin board. You could run your own bulletin board. Those are more flexible because you can do whatever you want, but the technical debt or the, the technical limitations are higher. Like Twitter's really easy. Facebook is really easy. You go on a website and you sign up, right? Like all of us have done it. All of our parents have done it. Not a big deal. But you look at something that's like decentralized, that you have to like find a server and join. And there might be like username issues or, you know, it's messy. Like that's ultimately better perhaps, but more complicated and therefore less likely to succeed. That can I pretty, can I sweet. can I share my thoughts? You can, please. This this is going to upset you both. Here we go. So I guess we need to have a talk about how normal people perceive uh, software, especially this kind of social software that most people want to use in the world. Um, so I'm just going to say that most people don't care about open source and decentralization of software. They couldn't care less about APIs using different apps. They just want a free service that lets them sign up with a username and a, pa- a password and a mobile app, and that's it. They don't care about, uh, oh, is this social network decentralized? Does it does it let me set up my API? Does it let me use apps for multiple developers? They don't care. And I think that the success of Facebook and Twitter and other, I guess, many, many other um, products such as Internet Explorer or Google Chrome or I'm trying to think of any other popular app, Skype, Spotify, they show that People don't care about uh, the political fairness of software in, in this way. The, like the, the, the idea of a social network that is decentralized and that it has a stable and fair API is, that, is just um, a nerd fantasy. And that's appealing to us because it seems uh, it sounds fair and technically intriguing to us, but people don't care about this stuff. And I... I believe that with the current Facebook and Twitter, we are kind of close to the to the perfect social network that people want in the world. I think that, I mean, Facebook is now 10 years old, I guess, and Twitter is, what, like eight years old. Um, the fact that new services haven't been able to come around and, and replace them, I think it kind of shows that the ideas behind Facebook and Twitter are solid, you know? And maybe there's a a bit of contamination between both because Facebook wants to be more like Twitter and Twitter wants to be a little more like Facebook. Uh, But still, I I think that they still have plenty of room to to improve and discover, like, release new features. Facebook and Twitter, I honestly don't see how, uh, at this point, a new player could come around with a revolutionary idea or feature and convince the entire planet to switch. That said, I'm not saying that 10 or 20 years from now, there won't be, you know, another Facebook or or Twitter or whatever. I'm just saying that today, uh, today, to me especially, uh, they seem to be doing just fine, you know, because people don't want, because people don't want more, I, I, I guess, from Facebook and Twitter. And... If anything, um, look at all these new messaging apps that millions of people use, WhatsApp and, and Line and iMessage. None of these apps, which can be considered social networks in a way, um, they don't have a, you know decentralization, they don't have an API. Uh, not even Apple, uh, who promised to, to make iMessage an open standard, made it an open standard. Uh, so this is just, you know, 
we want the, the perfect service. It's like one of those videos that you find in, on YouTube about the perfect smartphone. And it's like just a bunch of features taken from all the popular smartphones. So I want the body of an HTC and I want the camera of an iPhone and I want the GPU of another Android phone. That's just a fantasy that will never happen or be practical in practice. Practical in practice. Nice, nice teachy. Um, so for me, um, for me, um, if I had to, to pick between Twitter and Facebook, uh, because come on, Google Plus, really. Um, Twitter and Facebook, I would say Twitter is closer to, to my taste. And, but there'll, see, there'll still be like improvements that I would like to see in Twitter. Like I totally agree with Mike when you, when you mentioned the photos, um, I, I, especially when it comes to the quality of photos and the fact that you can, you know, you can, you can have these basic effects and filters, but they're not really like serious filters or effects. It's like, it feels like a plugin into the Twitter app that's not really uh, part of the core experience. So I totally agree with the photos. I also think that Twitter um, should find new ways to, like, if I'm not interested into, you know, American politics or like sports or other events, there should be better ways to, I don't know how, but to modify the timeline when there's a major event that you care or do not care about. Because I think that puts a lot of friction uh, when, you, when you want to follow people on Twitter, but you're not interested in, 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 a, in a special topic or, you know, an event or something. Um, I'm glad to see that Twitter is doing, you know, new, is launching new features and tools to uh, block people, to report people for harassment and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's about uh, time. Yeah, it's about time. And I think as more people uh, keep using uh, and start using uh, public, uh, you know, social products, uh, it's extremely important to be able to uh, to let people control their, their experience and report other users. Um, I, I've thought about, like, and, and then I'll, 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 I'll finish with this uh, segment. Uh, I thought about, like, for me, one of the big things in the in the Twitter app is being able to preview um, content uh, in 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 tweets. Um, so I'm th- I'm thinking about you know the Twitter cards and the fact that they give you these previews of like uh, articles on the web. They give you a preview of videos, uh, SoundCloud audio, iTunes previews sometimes. So I think that ideally, my perfect social network would have a much, much broader and, and more integrated approach to this, like being able to um, ext- extract information from other, uh, from links or other like sources and show me more context. Like I don't want to just see a link uh, in, in my timeline. I want to be able to see what's inside that link without necessarily opening that link. And Twitter is getting close to this idea with, the, with, the, with cards. Um, and also another product that does this uh, pretty well is uh, Slack with all the integration and the snippets mm-hmm. that they put into the chat rooms. So ideally, my, my social network would be able to do this with any kind of uh, external link or resource or piece of content that is put into my timeline. Um, mm-hmm. But really, I cannot think of any other... Mi- like, like I, don't, I really don't think that um, a company like app.net or... Like our our idea of a of a social network that is kind of like Twitter, but also more like App.net because of the API and and the monetization uh, could ever happen practically because people uh, 
they don't want to pay. And because when you uh, also my last point, um, because when you when you release an API and you allow just about any developer to to create apps, and if you want, if you really want the entire population of Earth to use your service, and you make a first party app. Eventually and inevitably, you are going to compete with developers. And at that point, because you're the platform owner, you're going to put exclusive features and you know uh, into your app because you want people to use your app because you want to make money. Because I cannot think of any service, and correct me if I'm wrong, any popular public social service that is free and open source and nobody profits and it's it and everybody billions of people use it and every day like twitter or facebook or google search or spotify or whatever or itunes like all the major products are done with profit in mind in some way and that's my problem the the, the idea of an api decentralization is is romantic is it's awesome it's beautiful it just doesn't scale well, okay, you've not said anything I don't know. My point was not about building. <laughs> Snap. No, I mean, like, you know, you were saying about, like, the, your, the start of your conversation was like, that won't work because, like, that's not what regular people want. Like, I know that. Like, mm-hmm. my point was, this is what I think is yeah. my perfect social network. It's not the way to build one because it won't work. But that this yeah. is what I my perfect social network looks like that. It's kind of app.net with a sprinkle on top, mm. effectively. But I mean, I I understand that it can't work, and I know the reason that App.net failed was because nobody moved, and no one's going to pay, and like that's just how these things are. Yeah, but don't I you think... don't you wanna don't you wanna have a more um, what's the name like something that will happen as a wish? Don't you wanna hope for something real? Well, I know I'm not going to get anything that's better than than what we have because the way that the the, the it's like you know what am I going to get? Like I'll just take Twitter as it is, please. Just leave it as it is. That's, you just want a non-profit like. Well, it's never going to happen. For like, good so social network. It's just a pure wish because it's ne- you know Federico's no, like, like right. A- like there can't be something that does the things that I want it to be because the business model doesn't work. Well, it does yeah, no, work like, at like scale, a, I, but it doesn't work to make people feel rich, and that's yeah, what like people I, care about. I totally get it. It's just that it, if you if you think about it that way, that you know will never happen, but that's what you want, you'll be like sad and disappointed, and well, I don't want you sad. to be sad. I am sad already. No, please sad. don't be. I am because I like it the way you know. This, we got we're going back to last week. I like it the way I like it, and people are changing. I it. think you should sad. change your fantasy so you'll be happier. Fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> adjust oh, your dreams sir and you will yes. be a happier man this episode of connected is also brought to you by our friends at hover hover are like a fantasy they're a dream of mine because they make it perfectly easy and lovely and beautiful to buy domain names it's been my place of choice for years it's the place of choice for for everybody that i know and that's simply because hover make it easy for you to buy domain names without being hassled They don't send you emails every week reminding you about that domain that's going to expire in nine months' time. They don't try and upsell you every time you go to their website. They don't show you you hover ads every time you log in to your hover dashboard. They don't do any of this stuff because they believe in treating their customers right. When you go to hover and you look for a domain, you type in some keywords or you type in the domain that you're looking for. They'll tell you if it's available or suggest some things that you can get from their over 200 TLD options 
and then you can pick what you want to buy. They have all of the stuff you expect, like .com, .co, and .me, .net. They also have .xyz, .diamonds, .steven. If that existed, if there was a .steven, Hover would have it. And they do all of this at very fair prices. They're, for example, their .com domains start at $12.99. They include who is privacy for free. This comes to standard of all of Hover's domains. This also includes you know, their fantastic customer support as well. They have a no-hold, no-wait, no-transfer telephone support policy. They have fantastic email support too. They have great documents and guides on their website. And don't forget Hover's valet service, where they take all of the hassle of switching from your current provider because they do it all for you. If you're with some terrible Acme domain registrar and you want to move over to Hover, you just contact Hover, you give them the information that you need, and they will transfer for you for free. Go to Hover.com right now to try them out. Use the code PEBBLEFOREVER at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase at Hover.com and show your support for Connected and all of Relay FM. That's PEBBLEFOREVER, all one word. Thank you so much to Hover for sponsoring this week's episode. It occurred to me that I've become the bad guy on this show. <laughs> you're lately. evil. You are the, you I, are I don't evil. like it. You are I the don't villain. Like it. You are the villain. No. You are against uh, platform development. Uh, you like restricted environments and you believe in selling people's information. And that's no, why you're going to tell don't. me that you switch I'm back a, to Chrome now, right? That's what this topic is about. I'm a realist. I'm a realist. I know. I know. Federico, you, so, you just don't want to be disappointed like I'm going to be disappointed. I yes, understand. I Tires. want to live a happy life with no disappointments stop. and I want to use stop it. <laughs> no, we're not going to stop. There's nothing you I'm can so do. S- I'm so sad. Don't be sad. Let's talk about browsers. <laughs> Steven used to be the, the sad guy because of all the dead Macs and stuff. And now I'm the bad guy. You're not a bad guy. I, and you're the sad one. And Steven, I'm the sad what, what guy. Steven is happy now he has an iPad. I mean, what, what has this show become? I don't know. <laughs> hey, guys, let me tell you about my f- workflows. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Steven, do so, you like espresso lately? <laughs> I, would like to, I would like to tell a story. Okay. So today, or earlier today, I get a message from Federico. and says, hey, let's talk about browsers on the show. I said, hey, that's great. So I opened no, the you, document. No, you said cool. And I quote. I said, cool. Yeah. Well, I was in a, you know what I mean? Um, so I assumed, like, yeah, I went about like, what browsers was using OS 10 and why that's true. And then I opened the topic and it's browsers on iOS, <laughs> which I am not prepared for at all. Just showing the difference between my world and yours. Um, well, okay. This, this came up because of a conversation me and Federico had. Uh, uh, have been having over the last couple of days. So maybe wow, we who, can. Who allowed that to happen? We have secret messages. I message. Whoa. Yeah. This Whoa. is this is where we plot our social network. And you can imagine how terrible it goes. Uh, so basically, Federico over the last couple of days has been highlighting on Mac Stories a couple of great apps um, that take advantage of reading the iOS Safari DOM. Um, it's this new thing, you know how you like how Bing does the translation thing. Well, there's a great app called Stacks, which just came out, and which is a currency converter. And what it can do with its extension in Safari is it can take all of the currencies or the the monetary amounts. I can't think of the word prices. There you go. <laughs> all of the prices of products on a website, and it can do in-page conversion and replace them with your currency of choice, which is freaking amazing and mm-hmm. there was another app as well right federica what was the other one you were telling me about or is it uh, not out yet? well i showed you uh the font the one, font the app that's what it. font what yeah font. what yeah. font so this is an app that can identify fonts on a web page um so mm-hmm. he was saying to me hey would you like this app and i was like 
does it work in Chrome? I said, no. So this is this is what we wanted to talk about. So I am a Chrome user. I've mentioned this before. I use Chrome on the desktop and I use Chrome on iOS because I like to have the same browser because there are interesting benefits to that. I'll get into that in a minute. Federico used to be a Chrome user, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he moved to Safari a while ago. I'll put a link in the show notes to Federico's Very, very publicly moved to Safari. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so there's there's a great post that Federico wrote about his reasons for doing that. And then as I had feared, as time has gone on into iOS 8, there are now a bunch of apps which are extensions that take full support of the powerful stuff that can happen inside of uh, Safari only. Chrome can use extensions, but it can't do the reading of the DOM. I, I know I'm saying this incorrectly. I know I'm saying something wrong, but you get what I'm trying to say. Sounds like a chapter of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Honestly, <laughs> okay, I'll try, I'll try DOM manipulation now <laughs> instead, because that also sounds interesting. Uh, so, I mean, like Chrome can do a bunch of things, like I can clip stuff to Evernote and all that sort of stuff, but it can't do the reading and the, the, the whatever. So Federico was saying to me, why do you use Chrome? And then we decided, let's talk about it on the show. So I'm a Chrome user on the desktop because of Google Apps primarily. Uh, I I use Google Drive constantly. Uh, I'm in it all day. I have a whole different window set up with just full of tabs and it's just got, it's just, sheets and docs and drive and everything it's all there now i know i could run chrome separately for this and have like just chrome as like the google drive app that runs but if i'm going to use one browser i like a consistent experience so you know my history is saved and all the tabs are saved and stuff like that because for example quite frequently i'll click a link that's in a show document and there'll be a page that's come up and then i might want to read it somewhere else later or bring it up on the other machine so everything's in sync right because sometimes i will have something on the macbook pro and then i bring it up on the production machine to play a city sound effects or something like that so if i'm going to use any browser i just want it to be the same browser so some other stuff is i really like on ios the support that google has for x callback url so a frequent thing where this pops up is I'm in Mailbox and I go out to a link that's in an email and then I press the button on the top left and it closes the tab and takes me back to Mailbox. Same with Tweetbot. There's a bunch of apps that do this. Um, Google Chrome will open directions for me in Google Maps, which I also use. So there is Google has, a, in my opinion, with third-party apps on iOS, a better relationship. It shares information better. It it takes you around the OS a lot better because at Safari, you just end up in Safari and then you have to go back your own way to the app. Uh, Also, Safari on iOS's tab view makes me want to stab my eyes out. I think it's horrific. I don't like the way it looks. I don't like that it's just this endless spinning thing. Like sometimes I I go to Safari and I'm like, like page, page, page. Like I'm just like spinning down this Rolodex of tabs. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. It's just not to my taste. So they are the reasons that I use Chrome. Mm-hmm. Tell me why. Steven, what do you do? Is Steven out of this conversation completely? I don't know. Hey. Hi. Oh, are we still? Uh, do you want to talk about, about iOS stuff, man? I have, a lo- I have a lot of things to say. Okay. First yeah. off, um, I totally get that Google Apps is better in Chrome. Like, it just is. The, like, web nerd and me is saddened by that because I think that your browser should be your choice and not the choice of whatever, like 
Chrome is so like could totally be the new Internet Explorer. It's a little scary, um, especially from a development perspective. There's a lot of stuff that Google's doing that only works in Chrome or is Chrome first. But we've talked about that. So, um, I I have Chrome. Actually, I don't anymore. I used to have Chrome installed uh, on iOS when I used Chrome more heavily on the Mac. But like Federico, have gone back to Safari mainly because of the desktop, um, as you might imagine that Chrome is just really rough on battery life on notebooks. And that's important to me. I use my notebook a lot out and about during the day. And Safari gives me, you know, sometimes hours of battery life back. And so I don't love Safari in Yosemite. I think that everything being centered is dumb. I think that transparency is dumb. I think that um, there's a lot of things in Safari that aren't very good in Yosemite, but it's fast and it's easy on battery. And so I've, I've moved back to it. Um, on the Mac. And, and because of that, like I've always used Safari as my primary browser on iOS, but using it on the, on the Mac, you get all that integration with iCloud tabs and um, it's, it's just a, a tighter experience if you're using the same browser everywhere. And, and for me, I like the way the Safari does that better. So I actually agree with Steven. What a surprise. Like, like entirely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so I switched to, I was a huge Google Chrome fan. And then um, I switched to Safari for all the reasons that I mentioned in the article. I don't want to go over those again. Uh, so let me just talk to you, Mike, about Safari. Please do. If you, so my main reason is um, actually three reasons. It's a, my it's main, a main reason, reason is three reasons. <laughs> yes, it's a main <laughs> cool. reason in three, it's a main reason in three parts. Okay. <laughs> um, Okay, iCloud tabs, uh, really nicely uh, integrated with uh, with the system. I love the simplicity. I don't have to do anything. They're, they are one of the uh, fastest and most reliable parts of iCloud. Uh, so congratulations to the engineer who wrote iCloud tabs. Uh, the second, spotlight suggestions in the Safari address bar on iOS and I guess also on Yosemite, though I don't know for sure. Um, I really like the the suggestions for um, websites and and maps directions. I especially like su- spotlight suggestions for Wikipedia entries uh, because it's usually so helpful. Yeah, exactly. Usually, like the first, like I want to know when someone was born and. Like spotlight suggestions in Safari, like they give you the the first like two sentences, and most of the time those are enough. I don't even have to open Wikipedia, or if I want to, you know, Google someone's name, uh, I I don't have to see Google because Safari takes me directly to Wikipedia if I want to tap the page, which is handy. And the third reason, um, obviously, is better support for extensions. I want to be able to use all these new um, extensions that uh, can interact with the contents of a web page, uh, and and um, because those are really uh, practical for me. Like, because I don't use a basic, I don't basically use my mic anymore. So that's not a really a joke anymore. It's the truth. I'm using my iPad. So uh, I mean, whatever, right? Um, and I want to be able to 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 do stuff. And on the Mac, it's really easy if you want to say. Uh, print a page to PDF or uh, like uh, clip a web page to Evernote or to Pinterest or, you know, other services that uh, 
take content from web pages and save it elsewhere. And on iOS, I need extensions for this. And uh, since iOS 8, there's been a, a great, uh, you know, a great collection of uh, of new apps and extensions that uh, that integrate only with Safari. So this is, uh, you know, a, a nice benefit for me because I can use stuff like uh, PDF Converter from Riddle uh, to generate PDFs. Uh, the other extensions that you mentioned, Mike, those are awesome. Uh, so yeah, these are the, the main reasons. There are other little touches that I like, like the bookmarks menu uh, with, the, with the huge, large icons, the, the, the five icons, whatever. Those are really handy. And I like the Safari Reader feature especially when I go to websites for music lyrics, which are which tend to be awful and terrible, and my God, who, de who designs those websites? I don't know. Uh, with Safari Reader, I can get a cleaner visualiz visualization of lyrics, uh, which I like, so I can sing better. Always and good. I can, yeah, I can practice my, my English and my songs. So, yeah, I really like Safari. It's, I think it's my favorite Apple app on iOS. Hmm. So yeah, so I think they're all valid things, and like you know, the extensions thing is what is what makes me sad. But I think some of the things that I like about Chrome they don't exist in Safari, right? So like that's if if I like those things as much as I think I do, which is you know one of the main reasons I use Chrome, I kind of have to deal with one thing or the other. Right? I either have to deal with the uh, subpar extension support because because there's nothing Google can do about some of it. Um, or I have to kind of deal with losing features mm -hmm. from yeah. from my web browser, and like some of them, like the X callback URL stuff, um, it would frustrate me so much, like just on a daily basis, like to have it and to, to because I rely on it. Which is funny that now what is happening to this show? I am now relying on on <laughs> anyway. <laughs> can I can I ask you a question, Mike? Yeah. Um, so do you think that, I mean, because you you do most of your work uh, at your Mac, so you use all these desktop uh, um, web apps in Chrome. Do you know what, Federico? I actually don't know if that's true. I do a lot, like, but it's not most. It's still not mm. most. Like, I'm out and about a lot. I, do, I still do a significant amount of work from my iPhone. Okay. So... If you if you uh, if you didn't do a lot on the Mac, or if Safari on the Mac had better support for Google stuff, would you also use Chrome on iOS, or would you switch to Safari? Uh, I think I would be more inclined to try it. Like if 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 Apple came out today or Google came out today and they were like, "It's totally fixed, guys, go crazy," uh, mm -hmm. I would try Safari out in a more like I would I would give it more of a go. Because yeah, I that, that it, is the main sticking point for me. Yeah, it's like I yeah. need, I need it to be perfect. I can't have problems in it because, basically, our business runs in Google Drive. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, so because, uh, many uh, points rely on it. And on iOS, you get you have native apps for Google stuff, so you don't really need uh, Chrome on iOS for for the web apps uh, part that you have no, on the Mac. No, although I just want to say, just for the point of complaining, still have not been updated. For the sixes, yeah, it's really super gross. I do not understand what Google are doing. Like, I cannot fathom why it hasn't wow. been done yet. Like, I that's can't. Weird. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it's like Spotify still not updated for the iPhone six. Like, what is going on? Like, what is? Yeah, going I mean, on? It, 
I mean, I can I can understand like the first few weeks you say, okay, yep, developers didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of Christmas now, so you know. But you know, we're talking about a company with the resources like of Google, Google and Spotify, and but like there's another big one, like especially Google, especially like, Google. Yeah, it's because, like I mean, Apple not doing it. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's insane. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, you know, that the, the, the Google Drive stuff is the biggest point. Um, but and then the other points are just like conveniences that I like about Chrome over Safari. Um, but yeah, there you go. That's why. Very nice. This episode of Connected is also brought to you by Iconic. I'd love to tell you about Iconic. It's a very cool coffee table book. It's a book all about Apple. The background of it is that back in 2009, a guy named Jonathan Zufi collected and photographed pretty much every single Apple product ever made well, since 1976, and produced this stunning coffee table book. It's called Iconic, a photographic tribute to Apple innovation. If there was ever a perfect gift for the Apple fan this holiday season, this is it. 350 beautifully designed pages and hundreds of fantastic photos of basically every product Apple has ever made. Every desktop, laptop, iDevice, printer, even the old gaming devices is all in here. And I'm going to guarantee that you're going to see some products that maybe you didn't even know Apple made. I know that I felt that way when I looked through the book. I was like, oh, here's some weird stuff in beige boxes that Stephen probably knows all about, but I didn't. There's an amazing chapter in there about prototypes. There's even a chapter all about the packaging, which was one of my personal favorites about the book. It's to look through and see all of the boxes because I'm one of those Apple box hoarders and I have like just every box of every iPad, uh, every iPod I've ever owned and just, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and I was flicking through the books and seeing, like, I was able to point out the products from my history. So, like, there's my iPod, and they even had a picture of a pink iPod Mini in there, right? That was the device that got me into this stuff. Looking through all the beautiful photos of the newer stuff, the new iPhones, you know, the the iPods as, as it goes through history, and kind of looking and being like, you know, I remember all those products. And I'm sure Stephen, when he looks at the book, he starts from much earlier in the book and looks at all the stuff that he's a fan of because Stephen's very, very old. Iconic also includes a forward by Steve Wozniak and hundreds of amazing quotes from other Apple pundits. It really is something. The book comes in a few different versions, including a version in a bookcase that looks like an old Apple floppy drive and a new Ultimate Edition that ships in a white clamshell of an embedded glowing standby light that pulses like the old sleep indicators on the MacBook Pros. <laughs> I'm being That's crazy. totally serious. It's really <laughs> worth seeing. So if you go to iconicbook.com, you can take a look at it. You can order the classic edition at Amazon, but if you decide you want the classic, Plus special or ultimate editions, enter the code connected when you check out for a 10% discount. That's iconicbook.com, promo code connected. Thanks to Iconic Book for supporting this week's episode. What about that, right? It's yeah. it's seriously maybe the favorite book. Yeah, I have one, and I gotta say it's full of Max, but man, is it a great, great book? <laughs> I want <laughs> I want the glowing one, man. That's what I want. Yeah. I wish I would have waited. I, I want something that's gonna glow at me. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. Pretty cool, yeah. So, today widgets. Oh. oh. Um, Apple, what okay. are you doing? Okay. So, okay. yeah, so friend of uh, the network and... Um, previous sponsor on last week's episode. Previous sponsor and really, really friend of the world. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Greg Pierce, the developer of Drafts, had some, issued some tweets on uh, yes. the Twitter social network. And basically it boils down to his today extension, which 
allowed you to create like a new notes or open the app directly from today. Uh, apparently Apple is not going to allow him to move forward with that. And furthermore to that, basically the today view from what he has been told is for like glanceable information, not for interaction. And so he, he expects that, like Evernote's extension, which if you have installed, allows you to create a new note or a new audio recording, like really helpful stuff, not so much allowed anymore, apparently, which Why? is not Why? awesome. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Because <laughs> because because Apple has uh, allowed this... Crazy to, people to run up review. ...to happen. And this is like a month after the Peacock drama, right? So, yes, yes. Uh, Peacock shipped with a, basically a version of Peacock that ran in today, and they say, no, you can't do it. <laughs> the developer says, no, I can't do it. And then the, the internet exploded, and then Apple said, oh, no, you can stay. It's not a problem. <laughs> and it's very back and forth and very not cool. So, yeah. so Federico, of... Out of us, I think you are using the kind of using today widgets the most. Like, I think Mike also uses. Yeah, I, I use them a lot um, as well. I don't use the drafts one. Um, I, I don't know why. I'm looking at it now, and oh, there's some buttons in here, guys. Oh, <laughs> it's dangerous I for the platform. I cannot believe they've allowed these buttons. <laughs> like, so there were, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Nito. Uh, was was removed from the app store and that one i kind of get because it was yeah. like it created a fake keyboard <laughs> right so it's like yeah. okay guys come on now i, I understand yeah. what you're doing but how did you ever think that they were going to let you do this if apple didn't let you have a keyboard don't create a keyboard um but you know it was but the frustrating thing for them is they were allowed in the store and it didn't hide yeah. anything like this is our app our app creates a keyboard these are our screenshots that show the keyboard in notification center that we have right. created right and that was a, a you know so where that app maybe wasn't the smartest thing to do like it makes sense in a way maybe why apple should have had a problem with it initially but now like we've got a scenario where there is it's basically this this widget it allows you to create a new draft or create a new draft from what's on your clipboard like what mm-hmm. is going on here like why is this a problem i don't understand what what really concerns me is um not just about the fact that apple approves and then rejects an app like that concerns me but the worst part for me is that in both Peacock's and Draft's case, these are apps that Apple featured on the App Store with banners and feature sections. Like there was a person who put the app into a section to promote it to millions of people. And, the, <laughs> yeah. and the, there's another person at Apple who no. says, no, this app, is yeah. we don't like it. So that yeah, maybe shows, he opened the App like, Store. Yeah, this shows a disconnect between <laughs> review yeah. and editorial. Like, Which shouldn't totally. shouldn't happen. No. Shouldn't be the case, especially after uh, Mr. Cook uh, fired poor uh, Scott Forstall to focus on collaboration, and now Forstall is you know without a job, and there's no collaboration between teams in this Whatever. specific case about the App Store. Yeah, and maybe he's building a social yeah, network. Yeah, maybe 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 mm. it's behind the new. Did you guys see the new Wire uh, thing? The, oh, the I've network. downloaded it. I haven't tried it. Okay, so um, 
Yeah, it is. Uh, it is weird. Like I can understand why Nito. Um, you know, with with a fake keyboard, I I kind of get why that's um that's you know that's uh kind of strange. You know, I can understand why Apple may want to to pull that kind of app. But all these other these other apps that were previously approved, featured, uh, promoted by Apple uh, on Twitter, Facebook, the Facebook page, on the App Store, and now they gotta remove these features. That that kind of that's worrying. You know, that's a that, that's not a good sign. And you guys asked why is this happening. So um, I I got a bunch of theories on Twitter uh, last night. Um, Basically, uh, uh, one of the leading uh, theories seems to be that uh, because the glances on the upcoming Apple Watch uh, will be similar to widgets, the idea is that Apple wants some consistency between widgets on iOS and widgets on the Apple Watch. This is all a theory, so don't don't be upset at me. Yeah, uh, I problem, didn't come up. I didn't come up with the theory. Like the, the problem, problem with is that, that theory is then you allowed Peacock back in. And exactly. Peacock is the, like exactly. Yes, it's the worst possible thing because it's just all buttons. It's a sea of buttons, right? Which yes. is too yes. big for like. Uh, and it wouldn't make any sense anyway to enforce this kind of consistency, forced consistency between devices that are different. I mean, of course, I want to be able to have a different widget and a different app on my iPad because the screen is bigger. And I want to have different widgets on the iPhone. And I want to have glances on the Apple Watch. I want to have software that makes sense, that is unique to each platform. And if this, if anything remotely close to this theory is the case at Apple, that's seriously misguided, I think. And it doesn't make much sense. And there are a bunch of other, of, of other th- theories, like that Apple um, internally, they, dis- they decided that the main problem is to either launch uh, other apps, like... Stephen, for instance, you develop an app called Old Mac, and the, your app Old Mac is able to launch other apps such as Twitter, Facebook, and Google Chrome because it's an application launcher. And now Apple goes to Stephen and says, "Hey, Stephen, you need to pull Old Mac from the App Store because it can launch other apps." And, you, and you're like, "Okay, I won't launch any other external app anymore. I will just launch my own app, and that's fine." In Draft's case, the problem is that not only does it launch drafts, but it pre-populates um, a screen with content, which is the clipboard. This is a theory that if Drafts was only able to launch the app and restore its original state without adding any new content, without switching automatically to the draft creation screen, that would be okay. But again, this is a theory, and even if it's true, doesn't make any practical sense to remove this functionality from an application on the App Store. Uh, I honestly, I'm coming up short with uh, excuses. It, it doesn't, it, it's confusing and, and Apple should have a clear policy, especially, you know, because developers are investing time to, to create this stuff. You know, people like Greg and, and, uh, and like James Thompson of Peacock, they spent time creating these widgets and all of a sudden they're not okay anymore. And there's all this back and forth and, and it's really not cool. Right. Well, and it stems from Apple's own language in the developer documents being vague. I mean, in, in the iOS developer library, they say, you know, you should, design a, uh, you should design a simple streamlined UI that highlights the information users are interested in. In general, it's a good idea to limit the number of interactive items in a widget. Like, that doesn't say what you can or can't do. It just says, you know, should and good idea. And, and in that 
vacuum of really clear boundaries, developers are going to push the bar, right? They're going to they're going to push things forward and, and try to make things more useful and more powerful until someone at Apple, to Mike's point, who maybe didn't even know this was a, a thing, uh, steps in and says, "Hey, you know what? This is this is not really in the spirit of what we want." And it not only is obviously damaging to developers, like it's bad for the ecosystem. Like iOS needs to be more powerful and, and guys like Greg and, and, and his apps and extensions like uh, clips where I can have, you know, you know, sort of not really a multi clipboard, but have a, a place to easily shuttle things around. Like those make the iPhone and iPad more useful and more powerful. Mm-hmm. And, Apple stripping that away like limits what their devices can do. Like these devices are only as good as the software that runs on them. Period. And to make that dumbed down from what it could be, like it, it's you know what what was so great, what is what is so great about today widgets is they are completely optional, right? Like if someone never knows that about drafts or never knows about some of these widgets that can do crazy things, like Apple isn't polluting or complicating iOS itself. But those those tools and those apps should be available for those of us who want to use them, because you know it's our device. We can add widgets and we can add things and, and do crazy things, and that's fine. Like give us the option. It's really a win win for Apple. Power users get what they want, and like without Apple itself cluttering up iOS. And instead, they're saying, "Oh no, this doesn't work for us. We don't want those sea of buttons. So let's." let's step back on this on this rule and my guess is that this isn't over i think that yeah i think that either way i think apple will clear up the language and they will either come down on this hard and say no you can't do these things or they're gonna they're gonna do what apple normally does in this situation is after a while they'll say okay and like okay public you're right you know we're gonna we're gonna allow this but sort of do it uh begrudgingly but uh, it's it's like another example. Like the longer we do the show and the longer I write about this, like there's so many reasons why I don't want to be a developer. And like, this is a, a, one of them. Like, Oh, I put all this time in this thing and now it's, I've got to shelve it because a rule change somewhere with a middle manager at Apple. My, my understanding is that, uh, as you said, um, there's, uh, some people at Apple, like high level managers or uh, philosophically against the idea of using widgets uh, as launchers of any kind, because they envisioned widgets as um, a display of a, a short bit of information. But that also, if that's the case, at least what I heard, I'm, I'm, you know, um, if that's the case, um, even the WWDC widget didn't really help uh, to, 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 to reinforce that kind of vision. Because at WWDC, they showed an eBay widget to bid on items. It wasn't exactly a lightweight widget to display a short amount of information. It was right. a full-on utility in Notification Center, and it was not about notifications. And it or, had you know, a today. button in it. No! Yes. So I think that Apple, they may be against the idea of people using launchers to replicate the home screen experience. They may be against the idea of using buttons and, you know, uh, apps and widgets to to launch other apps and stuff. 
but it's I think it's too late, you know, to to limit uh, iOS eight widgets to that to the functionality that Apple may be envisioning. I think it is too late because this is not just about a bunch of indie developers. This is not about just about drafts or pcalc or other uh, you know companies, uh, other uh, apps from small companies and small independent studios. Take a look at a widget something like Evernote, for instance, which is full of buttons. It's able to create new notes. Uh, from the Today widget, and not only new blank notes, but Evernote can also add a check mark to a note as you tap a button in Notification Center. So Evernote is a big company, and there are many other examples of big studios, big developers, big name applications using widgets to launch and do stuff, you know? So it may be, you know, too late, and of course, Apple cannot do the thing where they say, okay, yeah, Evernote and Facebook and all these other big guys, they can, and you guys cannot. So I think we will see some clarification, but I hope that they will just, you know, back off and, and just allow this kind of functionality. I think the problem is now it, they've let it get away from them. And yeah, that's that that's the problem. That's the problem. Anywho, yeah, I mean, it's it's out in the market, right? Like, if you come out of the gate with iOS 8 and said, hey, today widgets, like, these are the very clear boundaries of what you can do, like, then that's fine, right? If a developer steps over that line and Apple smacks them down, like, okay, I get that, right? Like, you set the rule, the developer broke the rule, you don't allow it. But when it's already in the store, and, and not, it's not like one or two things, and it's the Peacock thing in particular in particular is is pretty bad from from like an Apple PR perspective because they came out and allowed it and now just 2 weeks later 3 weeks later they're saying oh you know i don't know if they've if if they've rendered a verdict on peacock now but like similar things aren't allowed and that sort of like case by case developer by developer reviewer by reviewer type approach to this is just yeah. it's not good i mean because it's it like you know Drafts is a big app. Peacock is a huge app. Like these, these are well-known developers and well and well-known products. And like, I would not want to be a, a truly little little guy in this fight because maybe you get exemptions from Apple for your app, but if you don't know anyone at Apple, you can't convince them to do it. Like, just just have the rules clearly defined, and everybody can play by the rules. And like in that structure, great freedom is granted, and I, they need to get on the ball and, and, and clarify what they're going to let people do. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Ooh. problem is that Apple, honestly, the, the problem is that Apple doesn't have a clear uh, guidelines on widgets. They, like, they don't even know themselves what they want or what yeah, they exactly. allow on yeah. the App Store. So there's one guy who said, yeah, this is not cool. And the other guy says, yeah, this is cool. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and, which, is, and, uh, which is troublesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and I wonder maybe if... be a if, problem. Now, maybe they didn't foresee people using it like this. You know... I wonder sometimes, you know, when Apple's developing new things, it's it's generally a very small, very small groups of people, and and I, I fear that Apple has a little bit of groupthink in some of this stuff, and they say, oh no, you know, they don't like the idea of peacock or drafts, and today like never even cross anyone's mind, and so now that it's happened, they're like, oh, crud, you know, like it, it's if it's a surprise to Apple that people are trying to do this, like that's the worst case scenario in my mind, because it's clear there's something wrong with the way that, that they're going about adding these features to their software. Um, but it, even if that's not the case, it's definitely unsettling. And like another example of 
Like the app store is so big, it's so popular. These this thing has a life beyond what Cupertino dreams up, and they ha- they just don't manage it well when it when this sort of thing happens, and they need to be better at it. Federico, Mike, to make us feel a little bit better, mm-hmm. can you tell people where they find the show notes? Are you sure about that? Yeah, because I've been thinking about you know um, <laughs> I've been I've been thinking like. Like what if what if I had to to explain my dad what what, what show notes are mm-hmm. like like what 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 would I tell my parents about you know show notes yeah. like why do why why do I spend time telling people to what where the show notes are where, when I cannot describe show notes to the rest of the population of this planet so basically every time we get together um, me and Stephen and Mike um, we assemble this collection of uh, links right. Uh, we talk about stuff, and then to 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 prove that the stuff we talk about exists, uh, we link to it. And so, basically, what you want to do is um, you want to you want to take your your uh, Sony Vaio uh, notebook, or I guess also an an, an Acer or uh, you know an HP Chromebook, would be okay. maybe a Chromebook. You know, no, no, that, those are too fancy. You know, oh. we we like we 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 roll old school okay. with, with these. Um, you go to the to the web browser. Uh, I would say Mozilla uh, Firefox would be okay, um, you know, because it's open source and it's got themes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go to you go to the web and uh, you you go to the to the website, uh, which is relay.fm, and you type a slash, uh, which is the you know the, the little line character, and and you you add connected, which is the name of the show that we do, um, and then you you add another uh, slash character. And you type sixteen as a number. The numbers, uh, because, yeah, the numbers. Yeah. The, the, because apparently we've been doing this new show on Relay FM for sixteen uh, episodes now, and so when you when you get to the page, um, you will find our photos as a confirmation that we are actual people talking. You know, this is not a, a computer generated voice. Um, at least I, I I hope that you two are humans as well. Um, and you will find the show notes, uh, which are called notes. You know, they're called show notes, but actually it's just a, like, a, like a show list of links, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Sometimes th- there's a picture, you know, um, and they sh- <laughs> this is getting more difficult every time. <laughs> I hate you, Mike. Yeah, your dad is definitely confused now. No, no, pl- Dad, please don't don't be confused. I, I can come home and, and teach you how to, to browse the show notes. Um, so... <laughs> The show notes are the show notes are an essential piece of the relay experience, mm-hmm. and you should be able to enjoy the full relay FM experience as Mike and Stephen intended. And me, I will just provide with the instructions to get to the show notes, uh, and we promise as a as a as a network, right? Mm-hmm. That we will always do. Uh, we like, we are renewing our commitment to the show notes. Yes, renew commitment. Right. So yeah, that's how that's how you 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 find the show notes, which which is a list of links, but still, you know you gotta click them to mm. to view the source page in your web browser. Thanks, Teach. I appreciate the ex- the, the explanation. <laughs> if you'd like to find us online, uh, other than those show notes, which now you definitely know how to get to, we're all on Twitter. 
uh, the, the perfect social network for all of us. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, Federico is at the D-G-V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Stephen is at ISMH. The show is at underscore connected FM, and it's the only account that's updated. Well, actually, no, Jason is kind of, he's taken the upgrade account and does stuff with it, which is great. Yeah, I got to fire the other hosts. It's pretty much my fault, completely. Mm-hmm. But hey-ho, it's all good. Uh, yeah, Tally-ho. Stephen writes at 512pixels.net. Federico writes maxstories.net. And I host many shows on Relay FM. Thank you so much for listening. Especially if you listen this far. Like, if you go this far, I'm very proud of you. Because, yeah. you know, I do this bit every week. And if, you know, if you, you, you've, you've clearly stayed to see if there was anything special at the end. And there is something special. Special for you, Kyle. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next time. Bye-bye. Arrivederci. Adios. Oh, thanks to our sponsors too. Linda, Hover, Iconic, we love you. Bye. Awesome people. Bye-bye.